Welcome to the Circular Economy Show podcast from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. I'm Seb and over the last couple of episodes we've been exploring how the circular economy has become a critical part of London's ambitions to tackle climate change and create better lives for its citizens. Having taken a closer look at some of its exciting circular initiatives, we can see that the city is in a prime position to scale up their circular economy practices. One of the biggest challenges facing London is the need to provide housing and infrastructure for the city's residents and workers. To deal with the increasing demand, we need our buildings to be designed with the circular economy at their heart. And if you work in the built environment in Europe, stay tuned to the end of this episode to find out about a great funding opportunity. A circular economy approach to housing, office space and infrastructure is crucial to London's ability to adapt and grow. In this episode, we meet the people who are responsible for putting this into action. I started by talking to Re London's former commercial manager and built environment lead, Andrea Charlson. I'm Andrea Charlson. I am the built environment lead at Re London. We've heard a lot about the economic boost that a circular economy could give to the people of London, but how can we apply its principles to the built environment? So. A circular economy for buildings, I think, is around first and foremost making the best use of existing buildings that we've already got. And that can mean a few different things. One of them can mean using um, our buildings well, using them at their maximum utilisation. Um, and it can also mean um, trying to stop buildings prematurely coming to the end of their life. So by adapting them and refurbishing them rather than maybe assuming that demolition is like the first point of call when you need more space or different space. And then moving on from that, um, it's thinking about um, if there needs to be a demolition um, to create a new development, uh, managing the waste associated with that demolition well, um, trying to get as much of it reused as possible. Um, and then when you're doing a new development, um, the inverse of the, the waste, so trying to incorporate as much reclaimed or recycled content as possible. And then finally, um, designing to make all of those other things kind of easier in the future. So whether that's designing for adaptability and flexibility or designing for deconstruction and reuse. So a circular economy has the potential to keep buildings and materials at their highest value for as long as possible. But what is being done to turn this potential into action? So London um, as a city is um, quite kind of forward thinking in some ways in terms of circular economy in the built environment. In the London plan, which is um, the spatial strategy for the whole city, um, the Mayor of London has set out a requirement that means any, any new development or any new large development um, needs to put together a statement before they get their permission to build on, on how the new development is going to contribute to the circular economy and whether that's by as not, demol not demolishing um, through incorporating recycled content or, or designing for deconstruction. Another thing that London is doing um, is we are a partner in the Circuit Project, which is a, an EU Horizon 2020 funded project. Um, and we're collaborating with three other cities, Hamburg, Copenhagen and Vanta. And through that project, collectively, we're trying to scale up the adoption of circular construction techniques. And quite a lot of them have been established for quite a long time and used kind of ad hoc. And we want to make them more business as usual. And why is it so important for London in particular to lead on this? So in London, um, the built environment already contributes to about 60% of, of the capital's waste. Um, and our estimations are around 10% of consumption-based carbon emissions. 
Um, so that's actually quite a significant impact for the sector. Um, and because Linden is continually developing, um, the forecasts are we're going to need 60,000 new homes um, every year for the foreseeable future. Um, that's those impacts are only going to get worse. There'll be more waste and more carbon emissions unless we find some other way of delivering that amount of space, whether it's the homes or the supporting services like offices and schools, um, in a more resource efficient way. And the circular economy is one of the clearest and simplest ways to deliver that. When it comes to the built environment, what are the main barriers to stop London from reaching its ambitious circular economy targets? Well, one of the challenges that's presenting um, even more reuse or exchange of materials happening um, is the disjoint between when materials become available and when they're needed and design and planning cycles in the built environment because you don't really want to specify something that you don't know isn't going to be available um, and you're often specifying something maybe five years before you're actually going to need it and that, that's not been working very well in the exchange environment. And another barrier that's um, to exchange or to more exchange um, is that it's quite a fragmented industry at the moment. So we've got quite a buoyant industry in terms of exchange platforms. At ReLondon, we've worked with um, quite a few SMEs. So um, Globechain have an exchange platform, Environmate. Um, and these, these are really great at facilitating exchanges. Um, but also it's difficult as a as a buyer or a requirer of materials to kind of check all the different platforms. And so that's where the circuit project is coming in and we're trying to create an umbrella platform that can link together all of the existing platforms and any newcomers to the market as well. So it kind of creates more of a mass market for exchange rather than it being a, a fragmented market. In the current landscape, sourcing products and materials can be challenging. So how can a circular economy give designers a better opportunity to use reclaimed products in their work? So the benefits of, a, of a, an umbrella marketplace, um, we also call it like an aggregator marketplace, is it makes it easier for the purchaser or the, the person who needs the material to source that material. Um, so it's a bit like when you or I might be shopping and we might go to... Google or any other search engine to see what we want and we like to see a comparison of what's available. We don't really want to do all of that legwork ourselves. So this umbrella makes it easier. And then that, what that then does in turn is give the rest, the market more reassurance um, that, that the products will be available. Um, so it grows the market. And then in time, we might be able to add some kind of um, time factor to that so we might be able to then say this will be available in three years time or this will be available in five years time and then it can start to be incorporated into the planning process the design planning process sorry as well um, removing a further barrier so it's all about stimulating the demand side of the market and making it easier for that demand side of the market and then that will also in turn stimulate the supply side and in this case the supply side being waste so the demolition of, of previous buildings. As Andrea explains, establishing a marketplace for reused materials is crucial to making our built environment more circular. Another key part of this transition is to make better use of our city spaces. London is home to a number of empty buildings that can be used for temporary housing, workspaces and parks. One organisation trying to change this is Meanwhile Spaces, 
who partner with ReLondon to create vibrant communities by bringing temporarily redundant spaces into productive use. One organisation trying to change this is Meanwhile Spaces, who partner with ReLondon to create vibrant communities by bringing temporarily redundant space into productive use. We'll hear from their executive director, Eddie Bridgman, shortly. But first, here's Andrea to give us an overview of the work they're doing. So we've worked with Meanwhile Space in a few different ways. Um, they have um, been part of the circuit project in terms of they are one of our demonstrator projects. And we've also um, been supporting them through ReLondon's um, SME support program as well. Um, and they're a really interesting organisation because um, circularity like is at the core of their proposition in that they um, take underutilized space and whether that's um, a building that's empty a piece of land or a railway arch um, and make it productive again and then on top of that the way they're making it productive is by providing affordable office space to um, to startups and interesting organizations like that so the circularity is at the core of what they're trying to do but then on top of that they're trying to embed different circularity principles into the way that they're delivering that so um, most recently in the circuit demonstrator we did with them they were um, trying to create a new building on a temporary piece of land and basically they wanted to maximize like the value of the investment that they were going to put into this site and so they decided right from the start that they wanted a demountable structure so that they could take with them when the lease on the current site expired and that's one of the ways that we've worked with them recently. It was great to hear from Andrea that Meanwhile Spaces really do keep circularity at the top of their priority list. To find out more about their work we visited the Hive, an innovative demountable structure which has become a community hub in the north of Southwark. Eddie Bridgman tells us more about the story behind the building. So this, this was a flattened site by uh, Southwark Council. It formerly had social housing on it. Uh, it's not usable for social housing at the moment. So they approached us to see if we could do something interesting with it in the interim, uh, try and do something that works for the local economy and for local residents. And if we could throw in something innovative along the way, they were quite happy to uh, explore that. So we came up with a proposal. We, we have long been looking for an opportunity to try a different type of building. Uh, normally we get into an old or existing building and do what we can to make it productive or, or a piece of land uh, that we can do a short fix on. This is something new. I was interested to hear Eddie's thoughts on what the benefits are to designing spaces like the Hive. The benefits for de designing a space like this are very clear for us as a, as a business. Um, we are in the game of making space, land, buildings productive uh, for as long as we can have access to them. So they usually have a longer intended purpose, but they don't know when that longer intended purpose might begin. So we use that interim uh, space that interim time to use it as best we can for principally for uh, local communities and our, our interest is to try and make that economically productive for local communities which in real terms means uh, a cheap affordable workspace which is always at a premium in London uh, so th this uh, is a real kind of manifestation of that and what makes it so special is the ability to pick it up and move it when our lease expires here 
we will be able to reuse all the capital invested in, in this structure, pick it up, put it somewhere else that needs it, and then this space can be used for its long-term objective. So buildings like the Hive not only provide the people of Southwark with affordable workspace, but also give a boost to their local economy. Next, I asked Eddie about the biggest barriers that are stopping temporary use of buildings from being adopted more widely across London. I think by nature, a lot of, a lot of our problems aren't policy-led because, because we only have short periods of time to get something up and running and we need to make it uh, financially sustainable in that period. Our biggest, uh, uh, the best thing about us, I guess, is getting somewhere up and running quickly. So we work with whatever the policymakers have put in front of us. We haven't got time to challenge it or work that. Uh, our biggest problem, I guess, is, is awareness uh, that, uh, that we're a safe option. Landlords are very, very scared that if they hand us space, they will not get it back. It's just not the case. We, we, we've occupied over 80 buildings or sites in London over the past uh, 12 years and we have never had a problem handing back a site. That, that perception that meanwhile use might cause a problem for that landlord, the, the biggest fear for them just doesn't exist. So raising awareness is our biggest barrier. So to allow meanwhile spaces to grow, policy action that directs industries and markets towards circularity is key. Taking this into consideration, Eddie told us about what the future could look like and how that will affect London's built environment. Our um, uh, holy grail, I guess, uh, our, our sort of fantasy is to be able to turn uh, something like this, which is completely movable, uh, onto any, any plot that comes available in London, whether it's connected or not. Um, a big challenge for us is often connecting to services. That can cut a project dead if we need to raise 30 or 40,000 to, to uh, connect up to UK power networks. If we can power this by itself, just from standing there, and if we can sort out water and through tanks and, and, uh, and drainage, um, then we can pick up these buildings and put them wherever they're needed uh, at fairly quick notice. As London continues to grow and continues to place emphasis on the circular economy, it's clear that the buildings we live and work in will be a critical area for innovation and engagement. Hopefully these conversations have provided a sense of the direction of some of that work. Do you have a solution for overcoming systemic barriers in the circular built environment? The Circular Buildings Coalition is inviting diverse organisations based in Europe including NGOs, for-profits and public-private partnerships, to apply for Blueprint Projects, a funding programme dedicated to accelerating the circular transition. If you have a project that addresses challenges in markets and supply chains, ownership models or financing mechanisms, apply for funding before the 20th of July 2023. You can find more information via the link in the show notes of this episode. Next time, Find out how growing communities and better food shed aim to help feed the city. I hope you can join us then. Thanks for listening. The Circle Economy Show podcast is published by the Ellen McCarth Foundation and produced by Skinny Mammoth Media. Thank you to our contributors, Andrea Charlson from ReLondon and Eddie Bridgman from Meanwhile Spaces. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you shared it with a colleague or left a review. Otherwise, we'll speak to you next time. <laughs>